Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. All right, welcome back to the Do Divorce Right podcast. Today, I have a really interesting divorce story to share with you, or I have a very interesting guest to share her interesting divorce story with everybody. Credence Fogo is a writer. She's a lawyer. She's a former mountaineer, which I'd love to hear more about. She's an online (laughs) course creator, helping content creators and other business people understand and navigate copyright law, which is super useful. She's also a US expat living in France and she's a divorcee and a mother of five. She recently divorced, and in her own words, they are BFFs. They even started a business together after separation. Now, Credence, that blows my mind on so many levels. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I can't wait to hear you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. It's such an unusual story, right, on so many levels. Like you've got the expat piece, which, of course, I have my own experiences with. You've got your divorce. You've got the setting up of a business. You've got five children. There's a lot there for me to unpack. Where where shall we start? <laughs> uh, well, uh, we can start at the beginning. We can yeah. start at the beginning because um, there's with my family, it's actually a double expat experience because I was living in Los Angeles when I met my now former husband and mm-hmm. he is friends. And he was an expat. He lived in Los Angeles, well, in Los Angeles and then later in Oregon. Um, but he lived in the States for like 19 years. Okay. Um, so he, so the move to France, it was me expatriating and he was, I guess, repatriating. repatriating. And the five yeah. children are the two of you together? There's no blended family? Uh, four of them are, are our children together. And then my fifth is my oldest son from my first marriage which involved I've had two don't worry (laughs) (laughs) oh good that makes me feel better I think two divorces is the new one divorce (laughs) but uh my first divorce was terrible 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 litigious horrible I mean it's been years and you know we still don't speak to each other all this horrible stuff which you know made me feel like it was really important to do it very differently once you know the really sad decision was made that that yeah. uh that Zavino and I would divorce yeah so the first one was a learning experience and so yes the oldest the oldest child is from my first marriage okay I definitely want to ask you about divorce number one and the experience okay. there and only because of what you've been able to apply to divorce number yeah. two which has obviously a whole other thing and so mm-hmm. maybe we'll come back to it or maybe maybe the insights will be enough to just leave it as they are let's see um so let's start with you met your now ex while you were both living in los angeles he was yes. French, expatriated and you lived there together for some time you've yes. been expatriated to france mm-hmm. as a family with the five children yes 
Yeah. With uh, with four of them. The 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 okay. oldest is significantly older. So he's remained in California. He's okay. uh he is just about to finish college. Amazing. But on like the six on like the six year plan. I mean he's 24 and he's just about to finish college. Good for him. So, Good for him. And um so how long ago did you move to France? Uh we moved here in 2011. Oh wow, some time ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it has been it has been a while. Um, when we first moved here, we um, uh, we moved to a very small village, and not even we weren't even in the small village. We were outside the small village. We were like in the suburbs of the village of one thousand people, mm-hmm. uh, living in Ajit, which is like French for yeah. uh, vacation home essentially. But we rented it long term, and the idea was that it would be better for the kids who didn't speak French, and I didn't either. But this whole thing was for the kids, so. We thought, you know, the kids don't speak French. It's going to be very overwhelming for them. I mean, they, they were small, but uh, there's universal preschool here. So you start school when you're three. Yeah. And um, our two sons together were three and four. So they were about to be sort of thrown into a French school. And we thought, well, you know, neither of us have jobs. So a small village where it's cheap, good idea. And then number two, and more importantly, it was that we thought, you know, if we're in a small town, it'll be a small town school. Um, you know, not a lot of big city problems. And hopefully the teachers will be able to have more time for individual students, maybe be more patient during that. You know, it's got to be a really rough transition. We are a little person. (laughs) I mean, I taught them how to say, where's the bathroom before I sent them off to school for the first day. Um, So we were in this little village for the first three years. Um, And then we moved to the city that we're in now, which is Tours, which is a bigger city because I got a job in here and okay. so we're like well okay. you don't have a job i have a job we might as well live in the place where the job is because it's like four hours away and also the kids had completely integrated they were bilingual by that right. point and my sons had been skipped ahead in school and wow. one of them had skipped ahead like a year and a half and so we were looking down the barrel of living in this town that had uh elementary school but not like a junior high and I was like okay so three years from now this kid is going to be half a day what half a day in elementary school and then I have to drive him half an hour to the other school that doesn't make any sense and so I found a very good school in this new town we moved near there the kid ended up being two years ahead as did his brother and (laughs) so you know they were able to sort of proceed down a regular educational path but that's why we did like the little small town first just to get them like all integrated and and it worked pretty well and then yeah that sounds to a larger gorgeous how lovely um when you decided to separate so let's let's fast forward to the unraveling of the marriage was there a part of you that thought I don't want to live in France this wasn't my home is has that been a struggle yeah of course because um I mean we didn't move here for him we moved here for the kids um the the primary reason for the move was that my now ex-husband has a wonderful family it's i mean first of all france is a physically geographically it's a smaller country than america and so you don't have this thing here where you know grandma and grandpa are like a six-hour plane ride away and that kind of thing i mean even if you don't live in the same city you're usually not more than a couple hours away and so moving to france now we have an involved and active grandmother grandfather aunts uncles cousins you know, this big extended family that is reasonably functional. (laughs) And um, I wanted that. I wanted that for the kids. And so after we separated, um, yeah, of course. I mean, I I don't love it here. intention hasn't changed. Yeah. 
but it's it's definitely what's best for them. Okay. And so and can I ask know, how, that, how old are the kids now? Uh the the ones who are here, <laughs> the ones who are in France, the four, the four youngest ones, they are 17, 16, 13, and eleven. Okay, lovely. <laughs> yeah. So the two boys, the 17 and 16 year old, have left for university. So they're they're out of the house at this point. So I've just got the two girls who are sort of, you know, junior, I don't know what you call it in Australia. It's called college here. College, which sounds weird to my ears because college is like you're 18. (laughs) But they're in college. So it's like junior high. It's, it's. Yeah. My daughter's in middle school school and my son is in school. So middle school sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Middle school. They're in middle school. But I also don't think that's, I don't think it's middle school everywhere in Australia either because we've got the public system and the private system and the public Mm -hmm. system, which is like the state system. It's just primary school and secondary school. So whatever. Oh, okay. Bridging that somewhere. (laughs) Like at the end of primary school, moving into the high school. Right, right. It's it's, it's the most horrible time of childhood, by my recollection. It's it's the worst time to be a girl is being that age, right? That's true. Let's, yeah, my daughter is 11. So similar to yours. And it's an interesting time so far. She can't get enough of me and then she can't stand me. And then she can't get enough of me. And then she can't stand me. I'm like, honey, this yo-yo is too much. Yes, that is very hard. Anywho, that is very um, hard. My my girls uh, are not really like that, but the eleven year old there is regularly an injury or a drama. And yesterday before school, we actually had both, which was fun. <laughs> an injury and a drama. Yay! Yeah, she fell down the stairs and then missed the bus. So <laughs> well, I was like, I'm right. trying to let work me, here, trying to work. Let me ask you about how the kids um, feel about your separation, your divorce. That is, that is tough. It's, 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 um, so they all had different reactions. I mean, obviously when we told them it was, you know, everybody's in the living room, everybody's crying. Drama. It was, God, I'm still getting choked up now thinking about it because it was horrible. I mean, it's a horrible thing to have to tell your children. And obviously they were upset. Um, the, uh, the oldest one who was still at home, the one who's now 17, he has never accepted it. He's never, he has never accepted it. He has uh, refused to go to his father. His father lives uh, five minutes from here. Um, and our oldest son will not visit him, barely speaks to him. Um, Can I ask, before we go any further down here, what was the circumstances around the breakup? Was it a mutual decision? Was the marriage over? Or was there something? Yeah, it was, it was, it, I mean, it was, it had been over for a long, long, long time. And obviously one person has to pull the plug, but I, I don't think that doesn't mean that it's, a, uh, that it's not a mutual decision because, you know, yeah. sometimes people who, you know, maybe they're a little more passive or they're a little more um, conservative. And I don't mean politically, but I mean, like in terms of, you know, not liking change, um, you know, sometimes that person will, you know, essentially, you know, make it so okay. difficult that the other person's like, okay, fine, <laughs> you know, pull the plug. And some of that was going on. So it's so, not I mean, I, some saw something that made him decide. No, 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 no. Sorry to hear like he that. hasn't accepted it yet. I'm sure he will come yeah. there in his own time. And what about the others? I mean, he's, he's a 17-year-old boy. He's a young man, right? Yeah. He's got a long time ahead of him to make yeah, He's also extremely protective of me. Yeah. Um, which is not really necessary. <laughs> I don't want him to be parentified, but this is sort of how how he is. Um, his younger brother was upset, but his younger brother is 
insanely resilient to sort of everything that life throws at him. And um, he's, he's just, he's also a little bit less communicative, um, but he really has remained, you know, pretty mentally healthy, emotionally healthy. He has a good relationship with me. He has a good relationship with his father. Um, he had a very good relationship with the person I was dating for a long time after. Um, he just, he was okay. He, he right. was about as okay, I think, as a kid can be. Um, and the girls, you know, were younger. So I think it was a little harder on them just because they were, you know, younger. Um, but for the most part, and, and the three younger ones, they all have a very good relationship with their dad. Um, the girls, I did have one of them scream at me a day or two ago when we were having an argument about something unrelated that, you know, it was very difficult to, you know, have, have a single parent, <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff. Okay. Um, so that, that was tough because she'd never said anything like that, but, yeah. um, They'll find yeah. excuses, uh, not even excuses. I think it's a truth. That's sometimes, yeah. That yeah. our parents will mess us up in some unique way. Absolutely. We will absolutely mess our children up in some unique way. <laughs> but if it's not this, it'll be something else. So, okay, maybe it's this. We're, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's going to be something. Yep. Um, yeah. uh, where did I want to go? I Actually, just thinking about your eldest son, I have a podcast episode with Dr. Jody Aman Armin, and um, it's a very recent episode. Go back and, and listen to that. She's an expert in teen anxiety, and I had asked her specifically about how do families manage when teens have children who have different relationships with their ex-partner yeah. or their, their yeah. father. So anyway, that might right. be an interesting one for you to have a listen to. That would be very interesting. I, I just, uh, you know, what I want, the, I mean, first of all, I, I would, it would be nice for my son to, you know, have more friends and sort of focus on stuff outside of himself. Because I think that, you know, that like severe introspection that you get at the, those older teenage ages, I mean, this can be isolating. And, you know, I think that maybe he'd relax a little bit if he would, you know, sort of be more open to the world in general. Right, right. <laughs> but we can't do um, their journey for them, can we? No, no. I mean, what I want to see more than anything in the world is for him to make up with his dad. I mean, yeah. that's... That's, that's what I really, that, that's, that's what I really want. Um, because it's just, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. And, you know, he's a good dad and he loves them and, and, right. you know, none of this is his fault. <laughs> okay. Let me yeah. ask you then about your separation, right? You mentioned that you're both yeah. BFFs. We'll come to the setting up a business later. Um, yeah. Did you set, or how did you set maybe the intention of remaining amicable and deciding that you're going to have the best divorce ever by the sounds of it. What did that look like? Well, uh, you know, I think that um, at the very beginning, I mean, I helped him find an apartment and I paid for it and, you know, did all that stuff. Um, so you know, he wasn't being thrown out in the street. Um, so that sort of set the tone, but um, you know, at, at the very beginning, you know, obviously it's, it's tense and nobody's happy and all that kind of stuff. And I said, look, you know, I'm, you're not going to go sit in a studio apartment in the dark, <laughs> you know, let's get you an apartment that has, you know, enough bedrooms and it's close and, you know, you can have the kids and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, well, at the same time I was still mad, right. Cause nobody wants to get divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he wasn't too thrilled either. Um, and I know that it was very tough for him, you know, suddenly he's in this apartment by himself. He's used to a house full of people. Um, but what we decided like right at the beginning is like, let's just 
you know, not sort of keep the interaction completely minimal, totally minimal interaction for three months. Because at that point, we didn't know we were going to get divorced. So the idea was space for three months so that we can like just individually sort of figure out what we want. Um, And so that's, you know, mostly what happened. Um, And then we talked around the three month mark um, and, uh, you know, decided that we were not going to reconcile. But during that conversation, we also made the decision to forgive each other for every shitty thing that we had done to one another, because I did bad Mm -hmm. things and so did he, and that we would forgive ourselves. And And you said that out to each other. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I and I think that, you know, it it was a vow that ultimately will keep a lot better than we kept the marriage vows, right? Um, because it's been four years and it's still, you know, all the anger is gone because I mean it's a cliche, but it's true. You forgive somebody for yourself, not for them. Um Absolutely. and I yeah, I mean, I have friends. I think we all have friends who are like the 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 friend who can't get over their divorce, right? And it's been like a year, it's been two years, and you're saying he did this and he did that, and I'm taking him to court. And um, I knew somebody who was still kind of on that track, on that single-minded track, and miserable. Ten years after the divorce, ten years. Like, well, I could spend ten years doing that, or we could get on with I living our best, most lives. That's right. Yeah. There's this, there's this saying that anger, holding on to anger is like holding on to a hot coal, waiting for the person that you're angry at to walk in front of you so you can throw it at them. Now, when you throw it, you may or may not get them with that piece of hot coal, but you've been holding on to it that whole time and doing so much damage. And I just, yeah, I don't believe it. I've got some beautiful hypnotherapies in my program about putting down these angers and and learning how to forgive even if it's not forgiving the other person but forgiving the situation or forgiving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who you were and how you behaved or the decisions that you made exactly there's so much to unravel it, with forgiveness i think it's pretty rare that there's just one person to blame i mean everybody plays their part yeah agreed and it doesn't it's not always easy for us to get to the point where we're willing to admit that but it's it's absolutely true Right? It's mm-hmm. easy to no, see. Well, that part was pretty easy for me. <laughs> yeah. okay. um, so you set intentions about mm-hmm. um, being amicable towards each other, forgiving each other and yourselves. I love that piece as well. Mm-hmm. Let's not hold on to any of our own resentment of the way in which we behaved. I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Have there been any hiccups along the way? So in those four years, was there like a hold on a minute? Hold ourselves well, uh, from us? I mean, to to be completely honest, I think it was probably easier from his side because I was financially very generous. Um, so he didn't have to, you know, live rough and uh, and resent me for that. Um, however, on the flip side, <laughs> I experienced a lot of financial strain because I'm still supporting everybody. Yeah. And, you know, that part I, I do resent. And, and it was a major reason that we got divorced. So I sort of struggle with that because I'm like, okay, okay, okay this won't be forever it'll be fine this is what you agreed to it's better for the kids um so occasionally that still like flares up a little bit but you know to be completely honest it's usually when there's something going else going on in my life that (laughs) i'm just generally upset about right then you start catastrophizing everything for sure um so yeah the resentment about the the money and the financial situation um that's the only thing that like it still kind of pops up every now and then but um 
uh, and, and every once in a while there, you know, I see some of the dynamics of the marriage that made me unhappy coming back um, just every once in a while, every once in a while, but you know, there's a reason we got divorced. So I was going to say in that moment, do you think to yourself, Oh, thank goodness. It's not a marriage anymore. <laughs> like rather than being like, Oh my God, I still have to deal with this human, but it's at least I don't have to deal no. with it anymore. No, no, I, I just, I feel I've sort of transported back to how I felt at the time. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't have a feeling of relief when I feel that I get, you know, I get back to sort of, you know, why can't you be nice to me? Or, you know, why can't you acknowledge my feelings or that kind of thing? Well, you know, then the grown up side of me takes over. I'm like, well, why should he acknowledge your feelings? He's not your husband. <laughs> so, oh, you know, maybe why, why should, why should you expect emotional support? Um, and, sure. you know, I, I don't generally expect that from him. I feel so, like there's two things that could be true here. They, you, the truth is you can expect somebody to be respectful of your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't control somebody else. But Absolutely. So the only thing you can control is how you respond to how you feel about that. Exactly. But it's quite okay exactly. for you to want somebody to be more respectful of your, of your situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while still acknowledging that you can't change that you can't change him you can only change how yeah. he affects you mm-hmm. um it's interesting credence that it's still so you're still so vulnerable in this uh well yeah it's tough it's tough you know i think that it is tougher when you stay sometimes it's tougher when you stay close because um i never i mean you ask me oh do you sometimes wonder do you sometimes feel like he's irritating me or whatever oh my god i'm so glad that i'm not married to him anymore well no i don't really think that but um nor do i think oh i mean you know we get along now we made a mistake you know what did i i wish i hadn't got divorced i also do not have that feeling um however it it is confusing sometimes when you know i get along with him better than i get along with you know whoever i'm dating or you know that kind of thing like that that can be a little bit emotionally confusing Um, yeah in what way is he your best friend? He's he I know I just complain about emotional support issues, but um he actually he is very supportive in a practical way. Um I speak French, but I'm not fluent. I'm not fluent and I have an accent. Um and being not fluent and having an accent, especially an American one, is sort of an invitation to get ripped off um where I live <laughs> in terms of like especially like home repair kind of stuff, you know, plumbers and things that need to be fixed. Um, you know, and then there's always like, it's always a man and like, I'm the woman and, you know, there's that kind of stuff going on too. Um, in that, you know, there's a sort of attitude that like, Oh, I don't know how much stuff should cost. And so like, if something needs to be done around the house and I need to like get a guy, he's here, he is here. He does the talking, you know, and, you know, to make appointments like that i'm a little afraid of the phone because the phone is sometimes hard and you know people get get impatient when they have to repeat things so if i know that something's going to be difficult or that it's important that i understand it 100 percent, like if it has something to do with money for example um he will make those phone calls for me and and i i appreciate that um and we're both we we actually we don't have a custody schedule we never have um and he has also uh, for example, during confinement. Oh, oh, the one, the one sort of thank God moment that I had was when confinement happened, because he left uh, two and a half months before confinement. I was like, oh my God, thank God, thank God that we weren't 
going through this horrible time, stuck in the house with more kids for, I mean, that would have been a recipe for a very different kind of divorce. (laughs) But, but during confinement, um, during the initial wave, um, you know, we all were very scared. Like nobody had, you know, um, adequate information about, you know, how deadly is this? How contagious is it? How uh, endangered are the children? That kind of thing. And how long was your lockdown? How long was your confinement? How long were they? We had, we had two, Uh two or three. Um, so we were at home from March, I guess March, at the same time the world shut down, March through June, I think it was. And then we had like a month or two of freedom and then it was October through January. Okay. I was in Singapore at the time. We had eight months, um, of continuous lockdown, but Melbourne had the longest on the planet. Western Australia, where I live now, had something like three total, three weeks in total. So like everybody's experience is very, very different. Yeah. That's why I asked that question. Okay. So sorry, you're in confinement. But, but when it first happened, he said, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come and take the kid. I'm not going to see the kids because he, he works uh, at a hotel. He, he works at hotels with lots of uh, public contact. And so he made that sacrifice. It was very hard for him. And um, I initially agreed with him, but then like after the first month or so, when it became clear that, you know, our children are not going to be dropping dead or anything like that. um, At that point, you know, he started to, to take them again and it was good because the kids had missed him. Um, But I didn't do very well in lockdown. I, I really like, it was an emotional spiral. It was, it was terrible. I, I handled it very, very badly. And, you know, sort of the really big, like act of service that he did for me is like, at one point he saw that like, I was not doing well. And he was like, you know what, I'm taking the kids, you know, I'm just going to take them for two weeks and you just, you know, fabulous, feel better, take care of yourself, that kind of thing. And I was like, oh God, thank you so much. <laughs> you were parenting four children in lockdown when the world was such a a scary place like just the uncertainty of everything that would have been extremely Mm -hmm. stressful it was it was very stressful but I'm glad that we were not doing it you know together together because it would have been uh, very difficult I think Um, but having just a few minutes away and you know being ready to like step in when I truly needed support um I, I mean that was amazing. And I so truly appreciated have, it. You don't have a pattern of custody. You said that nope. he lived only a few minutes away. Is it then yeah. up to the children? Like, tell me about the practicalities of that. Like who prepares dinner? How do you know how many people you're preparing dinner for? Like what, what does that look like? Well, Sometimes I don't grocery shop appropriately. That's true. <laughs> uh, it, because of the nature of his work, his uh, his schedule is kind of all over the place. And this is why, this was the original reason why we didn't have a custody schedule. I mean, sometimes he works from 9 p.m. until 9 a.m. And then sometimes he works nine to five and, you know, it changes like every month he gets a schedule and every month it's completely different. Um, So basically what happens is that they're here there. I mean, I'm still in the family home. Um, They're here probably 90% of the time. Um, And when he, he does not have to work, um, then he will often take them. Okay. okay. And, you know, if the kids don't want to go, you know, because they have an event or something like that, then, you know, it's not a big deal. There's no fighting or anything like that. Awesome. And like I said, my oldest son refused to go. So I had my oldest son a hundred percent of the time with his lovely teenage personality for two and a half years. 
<laughs> and he just left for university and I know I should be sad. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're having a little space right now. And he came home for the weekend. It was fun. And now he's gone back. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Um, now help me understand why would you set up a business with your ex-husband? What does that look like? Well, kind of as kind of a similar reason to like why I call him when I need stuff done around the house. Um, I decided that I wanted to get into uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like real estate, into real estate investment, right? Oh yeah, um, because investment. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm an expat. Um, my pension situation is dire because I'll never be in France long enough to qualify, and then I got to get it back from the U.S. and it's not going to be what it should be. So I need to I needed to start, you know finding some alternate streams of income for when I get home. Yeah. Yeah. Investment too. Yeah. Well, it's not going very well, but, (laughs) but, um, so I wanted to, I wanted to set up a company because I didn't want to do it, you know, through my personal anything. Um, and it turns out that in France, there's a special kind of company that you have to set up for real estate investment. Okay, fine. Um, and you're not allowed to own that company as a solo person. You right. have to have at least two people. Um, and so I actually, I had a partner at the time, but uh, we weren't married. And I was like, you know what? No, 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 no. Because you, <laughs> you didn't predict it forever with that person. Well, lots of people predict a forever and you don't know if it's going to happen. But I know that my ex-husband will forever be a member of my family. We are still family. And I decided, you know what, let's keep it in the family. And he was fine with it. And I also, you know, his skills, his, his French skills are very helpful um, in navigating the, the the legal landscape here because the, the law is very complex. The landlord-tenant law is very complex here. Um, and also when you have apartments, you know, you have to deal with plumbers and electricians and things like that, which like I said, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll get overcharged because I'm the rich American, which I've told, I mean, I am American, but I'm not rich, but you know, that's the, that's the stereotype. And, you know, so send the French man in and boom, you get like the right price. So he's been really active, um, with it. We had a problem with a house that I bought and, you know, the, the, city government was involved and the police were involved. Those kind of stuff. Oh my God, I can't do this. I can't, you know, if it's a legal proceeding, I don't have the the French ability to hundred percent understand. And so he really took the the laboring war on that. Um, So he does a lot of the hands-on stuff and I really appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, we kept the family home in both of our names because either way it goes to the same people afterwards. So we've, we've kept like all of the property stuff we've sort of kept together. And part of it is the personal, like the family home. And then part of it is, are the properties for the, for the real estate company. So that's why I decided to do it, to do it was, you know, not just because of his skills, but also because uh, we do consider each other family. We will always be family. We treat each other as family. And so I feel more comfortable with him being the other person in that company than, you know, somebody who is not family. Beautiful. You mentioned a couple of times that you have dated. Has he moved on to another relationship as well? Oh, he had a girlfriend at the beginning. That was, that was the one time I got really mad at him. (laughs) Really? Tell me more. It was, it was because, um, because uh, so we broke up in November of 2019 and we had planned to take the kids on a vacation in the summertime. And we said, you know, we'll still do it. We're, we're still going to go together. It'll it'll be fine. We're going to take them to a place called Puy de Fou, which is a pretty 
crazy amusement park here in France. And I'd wanted to go for years. And so, you know, we book it and everything. And then literally a week before it's like, you know what? So I've been seeing somebody and I don't think that it's going to go over very well if, if you go along. And I was like, are you kidding me? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got mad at him, but obviously I didn't go. I mean, I don't believe the girlfriend went either. And also, I, sound, I mean, I don't ask him about this stuff, but uh, it seems as though she disappeared not long after. Um, I think that it it may be difficult for him to find another partner because of his work schedule. Right. I mean, it's that, that's sort of but a tough sell. Like, hey, I, hey, I'm never here. <laughs> yeah, you're open to the idea of there being another woman in your children's lives, another woman being in his life another person coming into your family yeah it's fine it's it's fine it's fine I just you know the the sort of like hey let's erase you I mean that is what happened in my first divorce so I'm very overly sensitive to it Um, was that uh, my first ex-husband got married to somebody who then started putting herself on the school forms and things as the mother and then I would call the school and they wouldn't know who I was and like that kind of stuff so like when my current ex-husband <laughs> did, did, you know, said, Hey, you can't go on the trip. Like mm-hmm. my head exploded for Boundaries, reasons that were completely disproportionate to, yeah, you know, what he was actually saying, which under the circumstances, you know, it was reasonable. I wasn't happy. I wanted to go on the trip, but it was reasonable, but I did overreact a little bit. <laughs> I think, um... but that was like right at the beginning. Okay. We're we're all going to have triggers and we don't necessarily know what they are until we find them, right? You found one. Yeah. Um I think that's really interesting. Can I just then ask a little few little questions around that first divorce experience and we don't, we don't need to go into any kind of detail at all, but I guess what what were the key things about that that made you do things differently this time? Like what what might you not have known this time had you not had that experience? Well, if I had not known about that experience, uh, if I hadn't had that experience, I probably would have let my anger um, take the lead. <laughs> Great uh, learning. The, the I love that for everybody it, listening. That right. Allowing your anger to take the lead is not going to be helpful in any way. No, no if you it want is to- not. That is what happened the first time and uh my first ex-husband was from a pretty wealthy family and so what immediately happened was all that family's resources were marshaled into you know lawyers 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 and i didn't have the means to really uh controvert that and yeah, yeah it went badly for me yeah. it, went, it went very very badly and um there unfortunately was I mean, I, I don't love this term, but I guess it's a term that people use. Um, there was parental alienation that happened. Um, I didn't have a relationship with my son for literally until uh, a week after he turned 18 and moved out of his father's house. Wow. That's when I heard from him after him not speaking to me for four years, six years, for, for a very long period of time. That must have um, been heartbreaking. That must have been so hard. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Um, and I was determined not to let that ha- happen with my other children. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Right. Well, I love that that intention there is, is it sounds like you're both co-parenting very, very well. I love that you now yeah. have a relationship with your adult son and that you've been able to re-establish yeah. that. Um, well, I, it takes time. Of course. Yeah, of course it does. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is there any advice that you'd like to pass on? So I haven't asked this question in a while, actually, but how would you suggest that listeners could do divorce right? I think that you can do divorce right by remembering what is important, what, what's most important to you. Um, if you have children, I mean, for, for me, the motivator, the, the primary motivator was the kids. Um, I am a child of divorce um, with parents who actually were reasonably civilized. Um, but I've also seen what my oldest son went through because of a, a, a very unpleasant divorce. Um, and so for me, you know, the kids were obviously the most important thing. And so what I try, what I would say to do is, you know, figure out what your important thing is. Is it your kids? Um, is it, you know, if your kids are, are older or you don't have children, I mean, is it um, healing yourself? Mm-hmm. Is it maintaining a relationship with this person? What, what, what is it? What's your happy ending? And think about what that happy ending is. Every time you're about to open your mouth or send that email, <laughs> And 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 give yourself time to cool down and have somebody else who you can talk to, preferably a therapist, so you're not dumping everything on all your friends who will eventually get sick of it. Yeah. Beautiful so, advice, Credence. Don't so much. That's I mean, don't don't turn the fire hose on your ex because you know it, it gets turned around on you. Yeah, I um, use the, the expression like just don't burn his shit on the front lawn. Like <laughs> just give yourself <laughs> a moment, just don't do it. You gotta well, you like yeah. pull yourself back from doing the what we inside so badly want to do. No, we've got to remind ourselves what's the goal here? What is it that we're trying to achieve? If we both want to be in the room when our children get married, you can't burn mm-hmm. his shit on the front lawn. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, did, I didn't really think uh, I didn't really think ahead to weddings, but <laughs> graduation, right. or you know, yeah. parent teacher nights, or whatever it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. need to be able to manage our own um, triggers for sure. Credence, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and for being vulnerable, and for being so present with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is helpful and honestly almost a little bit healing. So thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.